Hello and welcome to Epic Fails, Finding Redemption in Our Stories. I'm your host, Brittany Rust, and on this show you'll hear people from all walks of life sharing powerful stories of transformation. My hope is that as you hear stories of redemption, you'll find redemption in your own. Before we jump into the interview, I want to mention that we are three months away from the launch of my book, Untouchable. June 5th, y'all. It's just three months away and it will be here before we know it. I'd love for you to join me in celebrating what God has done and is going to do through this book. So head over to BrittanyRust.com to read more about the book. I'll also have details coming soon for how you can join the launch team and get early access to the book. So stay tuned. Okay, now that we've talked about that, let's get to the story. Today I have with me on the show Luke Grimsley. I met Luke at Red Rocks Church because the guy is always serving. If the doors are open, he is here. He's around often involved in many ministries, and uh, he's just always serving with such a kindness and a joy. He's an incredible blessing to the church, and the story of how he got here is powerful. It's a story that involves addiction, homelessness, rehab, and how negative influences in your life can really impact the trajectory of your life. Let's welcome him in. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, we're going to go ahead and jump in, and I'm excited for people to hear your story. I think that hopefully it'll be very encouraging for someone, if not more than one person listening out there. So we'll go ahead and jump in. Okay. All right, Luke, what was your childhood like? I had a really good childhood, two little sisters, um, Christian parents. Um, I got to go to a private school, K through six, um, which is kind of a luxury I know a lot of other people don't get. So yeah, it was it was a blessing to go to a Christian school mm-hmm. in my younger years. Uh, um, junior high was a different story, pretty tough. Changed schools a lot all the way through high school, mm-hmm. um, which uh, I think really made me put a lot of emphasis on acceptance Mm -hmm. um, which I don't think I really had any any filter on so um, what do you mean no filter on um, I didn't really care where I got my acceptance Mm. Um, so in effect I I started to rebel and um, I think being my parents' first child, um, you know, I think they kind of reacted a little extreme. Um, they're still kind of learning how to parent, and um, I just pushed away. The more they, the more they tried to hold on, uh, the more I pushed away. Um, and so. At one point, they actually invited one of my uh, youth pastors over, who I really looked up to, Sean Sears. Um, I remember kind of being cornered into, you know, accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and um, I just didn't feel like it would have been authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I felt like I was being cornered into it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's really when I, mean, I pretty much, you know, I said no, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's when I really started to run and just uh, kind of find my own way. Sure. And what did that way look like for you? What, what did trying it your own way look like? Um, it was a lot of things that uh, felt good. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, uh, like I said, uh, I, th- I, c- I think after, after feeling a little rejected by my parents, I know they kind of pushed me away. They didn't want me rubbing off of my little sisters, so... Um, Any any acceptance felt good. Yeah. Um, drugs felt good. I kind of felt like um, they helped me uh, fit in. Um, I kind of I guess I felt like uh, they they took my my guard down a little bit. They um, I don't know loosened me up a little bit. Um, to be like more social and yeah yeah yeah. Because I was always a pretty shy kid, and um, so yeah. And you found acceptance among that culture. Yeah, I felt like they took me in and loved me, um, even though it was a, a toxic love. Um, I mean, I didn't really see it at the time. Um, you know, the older I got, the more I would start to see um, that. Uh, you know, these people, you know, that um, have a hard time even loving themselves. I mean, they couldn't love me. <laughs> so, yeah, true. Mm-hmm. So, um, and those were the kind of people that I surrounded myself with. And um, so, and then, you know, in that contrast, I I'd kind of look back too. you know, as I, the further I went down that road and I was like, wow, you know, I, uh, my parents really loved me. <laughs> So, mm-hmm. yeah. Tell me what happened. Um, what what turn your life took after high school? So after <clears throat> I fell cornered into um, accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I said no. I think my dad, my parents, basically threw their hands up, and uh, you know I was out of control. Um, in their in their minds and so um, somehow he he talked his way into getting me to go into a uh, a department like a DOC um, program for people that had been locked up I was the only private placement kid there everybody else was court ordered and so even there uh, I didn't really feel like I fit in like I had a lot of kids tell me like, you know, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. Like, like, wow, your, your parents actually care for you. Like we, we wish our parents like cared enough to like put us in here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that just totally like confused me. Um, well, and I'm sure kind of reiterated that yeah. need for acceptance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even more so. Um, and, uh, the fact that I, I was private placement meant that, you know, there, there weren't really any strings attached if I if I decided to take off. Um, so mm-hmm. after a couple times getting caught with drugs and being sent to like labor camps, <laughs> basically up in Tiny Town, 
I, I just decided to go AWOL mm. and uh, couch surfing, uh, just pretty much around Lakewood. You know, I, I was always a pretty likable guy, so guys didn't mind, you know, like me coming around. I mean, I, I always work, and so mm-hmm. um, I'd help out here and there, whatever. Um, but you were doing you were doing drugs during this time, yes. correct? So uh, why drugs? Was it an escape? Was it more about the acceptance? What was the draw for you in in that culture? Um, it was a huge escape. Um, it was with everything I was going through. I mean, all this happened at a really awkward time in my life. I mean, an eighteen year old kid, you know, pretty much just got rejected by his parents. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly after that my parents got divorced too and I didn't know how to process all that so you just you, you just escape mm-hmm. and so I mean I'll never forget uh, me and my buddy we traded our our TI-82 calculators at Green Mountain for a bag of weed mm-hmm. and um, it was just like uh, it was almost like a comfort blanket to me mm-hmm. um, temporary you know it's like sure. something you it's like a tank you got to keep constantly filling mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah because it runs empty runs out mm-hmm. uh, what did you end up doing after you left the halfway house um pretty much just kept my head above water just by working mm-hmm. um so um i found a job through my uncle in golden mike's custom lawn care i had been there since like 2001 and uh i think he was really patient with me it's it's kind of hard to lose that job so I was there for like 15 years and uh so yeah that pretty much enabled me to do what I wanted (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. um now during this time you ended up becoming homeless correct yeah because working for Mike I mean great during the summer winters Mm -hmm. it wasn't really full-time it was like when it snows you work (laughs) (laughs) and so I would always kind of eke my way through the winter and there was that time when I just I couldn't do it Mm -hmm. Um, and I ended up going to the Denver rescue mission which was hard but it ended up being a huge blessing it was extremely humbling Mm -hmm. Um, they rely on program candidates which I was um, to pretty much make that place run you're cleaning all the in uh, I'm sorry they don't call them homeless people. They call them outside guests. Mm-hmm. And I would do all their laundry. I would feed them. I would uh, uh, give them towels and clothes for showers. and In exchange for being able to stay there? Yeah. Because I was pretty much waiting for like a place to open for one of the new life programs. Mm-hmm. One's The Crossing, which is in Denver. The other one's way up north at a farm in Wellington, Colorado. And that's where I went. It took 30 days to get there. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty much just a reality check. And um, I think it was really the first time that I noticed God just displaying his uh, love and kindness and mercy to me through the Denver Rescue Mission. Mm-hmm. How so exactly? Through, like, the people? Um, yeah, absolutely. Just through, you know, the people as an organization, you know, helping me advance myself in life a little bit with Mm -hmm. you know just expecting nothing in return just expecting me to try Mm -hmm. um and 
it was kind of a confidence booster for me. I think I, I went in there with the lowest self-esteem. You know, I, I never graduated. I was just kind of a druggie working in there. I was aware of, you know, my circumstances, and I, I knew they weren't really anything to be proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that, that, was, that was something cool. I mean, they have a farm up up north 80 people and they pretty much expect eight people out of the 80 to graduate because it's pretty hard and I was one of them oh yeah and I got my GED Mm -hmm. and I went to college Mm -hmm. got my um, certified nurse assistants license and uh, graduated yeah they gave me a truck Wow. Um, I got my license back. I mean, That's it was awesome. kind of like, yeah, the first time I'd ever done anything to um, help myself. <laughs> and when you got out, did the change that you experienced in there stick? Um, no. No. Um, and there were some people up north, too, that uh, even outside of uh, outside of the farm that um, I experienced a lot of grace through. Uh, there was a couple that I met at a church up there that they're like, hey, here. Here's a basement. Stay here while you find a job in Fort Collins as a nurse assistant. You know, get on your feet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's what I did. But slowly, you know, there's like this little uh, bar in town. And um, I never get away with anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's, uh, a, I don't know, because God loves me. <laughs> a gift in a way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, so I got caught um, drinking at the little bar. And, you know, things just started slowly weaseling their way back into my life. Uh, started with cigarettes, mm-hmm. then it kind of went to drinking, and um, so eventually I moved back to Denver. Um, tried a assisted living facility in Lakewood um, while I was living in Golden, and things just didn't work out. I I couldn't do the graveyard shifts, and not to mention just the fact that. I wasn't taking care of myself, so how am I supposed to take care of mm. these people? Yeah. Um, and it's just like, I wish I would have had that verse memorized, but it's just like the Bible says, you know, you. it's like I, I swept my house clean, because this is a temple for the Holy Spirit, right. you know, and I, and I kind of like got cleaned up, and but I, I didn't fill that space with, with Jesus, with his word, with prayer, with um, community in my life mm-hmm. so that's kind of when substance abuse came back full swing mm-hmm. like way worse than it had ever been so yeah yeah so there was an outward change that was temporary but there was no real heart change yeah it was all point. material mm-hmm. and did you end up where did that experience end up leaving you I know you talk about that you ended up becoming homeless again um, maybe just talk about that experience. Okay, well, after I decided to, you know, I I couldn't do CNA work anymore. I wasn't in a position to care for people like that, so I just went back to what I knew, landscape meetings. He took me back. I was in Golden. Um, meth came back in my life uh, heavier than it had ever been. Um, the people that I started to meet in Golden, I guess, really... Um, uh, kind of were attracted in me because they were mostly homeless, jobless, and here I come, you know, fresh out of the farm. Basically, I had a car, mm. I had a job, yeah. 
So, and, uh, you know, I, I felt really accepted by them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like their little tool, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the girls were kind of like attracted to the whole car thing, job thing, whatever. Um, and so I pretty much just got sucked dry. Mm, taken um, advantage of by some yeah. of those people. Yeah, I mean, that's just, I, I used to kind of resent them. But it's just, you know, it was the drugs and it was the enemy. I mean, that's what you do when you're on meth. I mean, you, you take. It's all mm-hmm. about self. And so, um, you know, they're trying to feed this thing that's never satisfied. Yeah. And um, and I could slowly see myself becoming one of them. I mean, you are who you hang out with. I mean, Chad said it so many times. You know, show me who you hang out with and I'll show you your future. Yeah. And sure enough... I started to become homeless. Mm. First, it was in my car, which wasn't so bad. But eventually, my car got impounded, and I was homeless in the the middle of winter. (laughs) Mm. And, uh, yeah, things started to get really bad. I mean, the things I did to try to make ends meet, to try and have somewhere to sleep, it was insane. What goes through your head when you're in that season, um when you're in that place like what's going through your head what's going through your heart um not good things uh I mean I I think because of my mom and my dad like giving me a good upbringing um and like you know youth pastors who had spoken life into my into me before in the past I think there was seeds planted that really started to make me question the things that were going on around me um and then there was a couple times that some of the people I was using with, um, they they even were like, um, what are you doing here? Mm. <laughs> you know, because they had been raised, you know, smoking meth with their parents. Mm. They didn't really know any better. And so then they saw me and they, kind of, they could kind of tell, you know, I wasn't really from that scene. I wasn't really street smart. Um, and they're like, you know, what are you doing here? <laughs> and so... I mean, there was a couple times that, uh, yeah, I think that was definitely my low, where I was just like, I was just waiting in the cold, falling out, Mm. like pretty much falling asleep, waking up, like almost freezing to death, just waiting for the laundry mat to open. So I'd have like somewhere to go that was warm, maybe Mm. throw my clothes in the dryer. Um, And uh, eventually, and you know, I had that job with Mike. Uh, landscaping, so it's like I, I I could like eke my way by. Sometimes it'd snow and I get some money, just like eking my way by. But even he started to notice a difference. I mean, um, that's about when I ran across the Lakewood campus, Red Rocks Church. Yeah. yeah. So um, I had a couple experiences prior to that with the Golden Campus, thanks to my sisters and my dad. You know, that's where they went. So I had gone. Um, I got to hear a really cool testimony of Brian Head Welch. He was there, um, the guitarist from Corn, because he yeah. got born again. And that really spoke to me because he struggled with the same things I did a little bit, like meth. And, and so that was cool. But, um, yeah, and then, so again, Red Rocks Church, you know, they started to reach out to me. Um, a lot of the volunteers, the security, um, and that's about when 
you know, I, I kind of got cornered into going into another program, which was downtown. I told you about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, step 13, which lasted about seven months. But I think there was just this hunger growing in me. I don't know if it was just my, my family's prayers or whatever and just God. But uh, I was really turned off by their, you know, many paths to God. I was really looking for recovery that was uh, centered around Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, Because deep down, I mean, I knew he was the answer, even Mm. though I was running from him. So, Um, so yeah, I I ended up getting pointed towards the Littleton campus. I guess they had recently started a celebrate recovery there. Uh Um, I joined a a men's study. Um, It was a year-long commitment with Vern. And... uh, Things didn't work out. Um, I started to relapse. I, I moved into a boarding house right next to my job and, you know, ignored a lot of red flags basically just for the convenience of being right next door to my job. Yeah. Um, but it was my old stomping grounds and um, I started to relapse really hard, but I, I, I was honest with Vern. I was like, hey, I think I, I think I got to get out of this and start start over but I wanted to start fresh because um, I had experienced just how cool it can be just to be in a circle you know with mm-hmm. a bunch of guys who are just sick and tired of being sick and tired yeah and that's what I was mm-hmm. and uh, the honesty that I was hearing in those circles was just like a breath of fresh air um, after after just being around so much like fake you know and so many lies and so much uh empty everything that was just like empty that I was going after uh chasing the wind you know like just being in a circle of honesty just it was just like a rock you know Mm -hmm. it was like um it was so cool to be around that so um I don't know I kind of just decided decided to really start going hard after God and uh I signed up for the baptism. Um, I'd been baptized in the past, but it was it was uh, something that I didn't really understand. Mm-hmm. I was really little. Yeah. Um, it was more confusing to me than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I know it, it really spoke to me when they're just talking about, hey, you know, it's important to go public with your faith, and I really wanted to do that. Um, <clears throat> I did my video. You know, I think there was like a window in there of me being clean because I was trying. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and uh, sure enough, you know, I relapsed really hard right before the baptism. Um, yeah, and I, I was just upstairs in my room debating whether or not I should even go. Um, the morning of. Yeah, the morning of. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd been up all night. Um, but... Uh, that was when I think that was the first time I, I was ever just like, hey, you know, I, I need to be honest with myself mm-hmm. and I need to be honest with my creator with who I am right now. Yeah. And, you know, I just <laughs> I just so happened to have a bike that one of the guys from men's group had given to me because mine was stolen. Mm. And, you know, he's I think there's like three different guys fighting to give me a bike. <laughs> um but I had one, and so, yeah, I jumped on it and ran all the way from... I rode all the way from Golden to Lakewood. 
um, as fast as I could. And yeah, I got there just in time. And and that's where we actually met. Yeah. Because yeah. I was organizing the baptisms and you were there. You were calling me, I'm sure. <laughs> so, yeah. And, How was that experience for you, that baptism? Um, You know, despite, you know, me just being high and everything and I was actually uh, baptized by Brene's husband, James. Yeah. Um, and it was just the coolest thing for me. Like, uh, I, I, I was high, but, um, you know, my, my brother-in-law, my sister, my mom, they all came to support me. And I think they kind of knew something was up, but, um, they were still there to support me and I could stop smiling the whole time i mean mm. i think there might have been a little bit of shame there mm. but uh but yeah it was just a another step you know towards god and um i like how you said that you wanted to come to your, your creator that as you were as the person that you are and i think that's you know important for people to hear you know i think a lot of us want to come to god when we have it all together but the truth is is we need to come to God when we don't have it all together. You know, God sees us for all who we are. Yeah. And it's like yeah. in Adam and Eve in the garden, they hid, and God was calling them out to see them for who they were. And um, I love that you had that experience with him that day. Yeah, yeah, he was after me pretty hard. I think he knew... <laughs> I think he... He knew how desperate I was. Um, and so he started to turn up <laughs> the love and kindness yeah. in my life through different avenues, whether it was, you know, just people at church. Definitely my mom. She was uh, a really good example of um, unconditional love in my life. I think, you know, dad, he was a little more like, hey, you know, sink or swim i he'd never experienced drugs in his past i mean uh, i i so i think he was more scared he didn't understand what i was going mm, through yeah. uh, my mom i think she'd been there before mm. um so she knew a little bit more and she she did a really good job of walking that fine line of being there but not enabling me yeah um which i think is pretty hard to do uh Hopefully, I never have to go through that as a father. But, yeah. but, uh, but you know, she saw me trying, and if if I could stay clean, she said I could rent out her basement. So it's been kind of a a win win situation over there. I've I've helped uh, her and my father in law, my father in law, my stepdad. I've helped them out with a little money, a little mm -hmm. extra cash, and in return, I get like a couch in the basement. Um, I'm currently almost out of debt. Um, That's awesome. And uh, I'm starting my own business. And um, yeah, I actually ended up graduating from a men's study after the one I fell out of, too. Um, it was led by Corbin and Chris. And just like over and over again, like, I guess the best way I can explain it is that song you know I I was blind but now I see mm -hmm. and I could actually see God just pursuing me through these different people like you know Corbin and Chris you know they totally sacrificed a year more than a year like 17 months of their lives every Monday just to be there for you know the group of guys that I was in mm. and uh and it just 
you know, it convicted me kind of, you know, I didn't want anything else but to somehow, you know, pay that back, pay that forward. And so praise God for a church who makes it so easy to um, help out here, you know, so I just started making it, making myself available. My something came came up on my background check, so I had to come in and talk to JB, and uh, he said, "Welcome to the family." Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. and you are. I mean, yeah. you're here all the time. We all love seeing you here yeah. Wednesday or you know Tuesdays, the weekends. You're always here serving faithfully. Yeah, I think I was I was more in Lakewood at first, a parking lot and youth night, and. Um, then I kind of felt like there was a little bit more of a need with how much Celebrate Recovery is uh, growing. So, yeah, every Friday night, you know, uh, I just show up, fill the need. And um, and after I graduated from that step study, they, they offered me a position as a leader with Mike Lazar. Lazar. Um, so, yeah, we're actually leading our own study. It started... In October and it's just been a whole different perspective uh, leading you know mm-hmm. um, I get to, yeah I just get to kind of help these guys navigate their way through um, through this study and through uh, finding out you know lies that they've been chasing and identifying you know things that I've been identifying like you know where was where was God in this situation and <clears throat> So uh, that's been a blessing. Yeah, that's really cool. (laughs) You're able to give back and help others who are in the place that you were once in. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So after all that you've been through, what would you say your core struggle really has been? Obviously, overcoming the addiction has been challenging, but that really is more of a symptom of a deeper issue. Um, what What would you say has been the thing that has really triggered much of your hardship? Um, I think it's acceptance addiction. I think that's what Sean called it. I'll, <laughs> I'll never forget, you know, when they started this series of Live Free. And uh, Sean and Chad, you know, they'd start talking about, or I guess it was Sean, um, started talking about acceptance addic- addiction. And I know that just struck a chord with me. I Because uh, I could see a trail you know going way back in my life and and uh so many different things that it's it's caused uh, so many mm-hmm. different negative things that it's caused and it's just because i i <laughs> the whole time i mean i'm looking for acceptance in, in the wrong places and it's like I, this whole time i was looking for god mm. and i didn't even know it um yeah so you know He's, he's the answer. Yeah, he's he's the he's the only one that fits that that you know God shaped hole in your heart, yeah. basically. So yeah, it's true. So I ask everyone this question. I it's my favorite question to ask in these uh, interviews. If you could share anything with the audience, what would it be? Um, I think it would just be. To never, never give up. Um, you know, there might be some 
some people out there that I, you know, there are, there's people out there that they were just like instantly free from, from something. That wasn't the case with me. I, I just know that, uh, there's been, there's been just, uh, something special just in the struggle, I think Mm -hmm. that I've had. And just, um, I think that's the difference too, that I've seen in my life, uh, you know, there's there's some people that I know that are still struggling that they just I guess they just gave up but um I don't know where my stubbornness comes from but (laughs) (laughs) um yeah I just never give up and um I'm still I still have to just keep grinding it out like I've I'm not there um I still have to tell myself this all the time I mean I I've I've never I'm not I'm not gonna arrive until you know um until I meet Jesus, yeah. <laughs> so until then I'll be keep I'll yeah. be keep reminding myself yeah, that's just to, that's to never give up. So um, that's good. Never give up. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, just a simple truth. Never give up. Yeah, so. I really like that. I think that's really good, and that applies to anybody going through anything, right? Not just addiction, but literally everybody. Never give up. And I, I think another. Um, thing that I, I, I would share if I could that's pretty relative is just you know make yourself totally available to God um, yeah. Chad and I he's a busy guy but I got to ch- uh, talk to Chad once and I, I told him um, how incredible it is when you make yourself available to God at this church it's amazing what can happen you know here I am leading a, a men's study and he said, well, yeah, it's funny you should mention that because I I remember a plaque in my dad's house that he hung over the door that said, you know, God's not interested in your abilities, but your availability. Mm, yeah. And um, that's so true. I even shared that for my two-year, when I got my two-year chip at Celebrate Recovery, I just told everybody, I was like, hey, make yourselves available because your abilities are nothing unless you make them available to God. Yeah, and, that's true. And I'm almost positive that, you know, if you do make yourself available, then you'll probably end up finding out you have abilities that you never knew you had. Mm, yeah, so. that's good. That's really good. Well, I'm so glad that you were on the show today, Luke. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Today you've got a peek into a story of a person who went through a difficult situation, one many might relate to. If you do, and even if you don't know what that situation is like, but you can relate to some of the feelings Luke experienced, be encouraged to know that your story doesn't end with a difficult situation. It's a scene in your story, but not the end of your story. Thank you for joining me today. If this podcast is something that is ministering to you or you think others might find interesting, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. A review helps this podcast grow, which helps to get the word out to people who might need to hear this story of redemption. Tune in again the first Wednesday of April for another powerful story of redemption. In the meantime, you can find more information about me, read weekly devotionals, and find out what I'm doing around the web at www.brittanyross.com. See you next time.